Welcome to the Heroes of Reality Podcast, a podcast about the game of life and the hero's journey we all experience. Let's jump in with our host, Dylan Watkins, as he introduces today's guest. What up, young adventurers? Dylan here. And on today's podcast, we have Edric Suber. He is the founder of Warm Space, a platform that scales deep human connection through guided video conversations. His mission is to make every single person feel seen and create a world that is filled with love, belonging, and authenticity. He's passionate about mindfulness, human potential, and the use of technology for flourishing humanity. Um, he's also worked at Google and many other tech places, and I'm really excited to talk to him about humanity, technology, and more. So without any further delay, I'd like to welcome Edric. Hello. Thanks Thanks for having me here, Dylan. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for joining me, man. I'm excited to talk to you all all the way from Bali as it is. Yeah, Bali, Indonesia. That's, that's, your background looks very much the part. I'm gonna tell you that right now. You've got got the trees and jungles. yeah, initially I was trying to stay humble. I stay. I, I I took the call from my hotel room, but like the connection dropped off. So I gotta like be where where we're supposed to be. Nature wants to be seen, man. You can't you can't yeah. hide all of nature's glory. You just got to let that girl free flow. You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love I love it, man. So what, let's. Why are you in Bali? What's what's going on out there? Uh, I'm 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 assuming that's not your where you're normally from. No, I'm actually from Indonesia originally, but mm-hmm. I spent the last 10 years in Singapore. Mm-hmm. Um, but I moved here in January this year um, as I left my job at Google and decided to pursue uh, warm space full time. And I think it's just because of the pandemic, just like many other people, people made like a lot big life decisions uh, during the time of crisis. And I think... Uh, Last year, when I had a little kind of downtime to work on warm space on the side and fully align myself with my values and, uh, and what's the cause and mission that's truly important for me and solving for human connection, isolation, and human flourishing came to be really apparent for me. And mm-hmm. I decided to move to somewhere where um, spirituality, consciousness, and like growth mindset was the center of uh, what Bali is everything all about and uh, lower living costs surrounded by similar uh, like-minded, heart-minded individuals. So I, Bali was just the perfect uh, go-to spot for me at that point. And then here I am thriving and living in Bali. Got it. So how, let me, how's the technology scene in Bali? Cause I imagine it's got all the other stuff, um, but how is yeah. it? And I have no idea. How's it, what's the tech seen like out there yeah it's not the number one thing that people think of and uh we uh people name bali but it's it's growing mm-hmm. there's uh blockchain companies are huge actually uh in bali there's a lot of uh, people uh in the crypto scene mm-hmm. um and technology technology companies around human connections and spirituality so it's an interesting kind of sector uh particularly when we talk about the tech scene here Got it. Yeah, it's I mean, uh, one of the best things about being in the whole digital online space is that you can remotely connect with people from around the world um, as long as you have a strong enough connection, which is which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, 
What, yeah. Can you talk to me just a little bit about your journey uh, starting to work out, work with Google and what, what you did at Google and kind of what were some lessons learned while being at Google's Google's quite the spot to get into um, as a, uh, a, a grounds of uh, uh, understanding technology at the, really the Mecca of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's a Mecca. It's uh, for a lot of uh, people. Um, so yeah, I've been in the tech uh, industry for a while. I started my job at Twitter doing digital marketing. So I was doing similar things at Google for the last three years. I was mm. working with the startups in Southeast Asia uh, to help them grow, um, providing them insights and consultancy on how to expand their company and business and all of that. Um, but what I really learned being in Google um, was uh, the culture. I, I think mm -hmm. Google did such an amazing job in cultivating this culture of collaboration and innovation, just from the way the uh, workspace was designed, where um, where we the barista was sent, uh, was positioned in a place where it's. Uh, it's the intersection between different uh, departments in terms of the air, uh, work mm -hmm. areas. And then you got to like, if you go to the barista, you're, you're bound to bump into someone from other departments and you have a chat. And then like some, some of this like cross-pollination conversations will take place. And then how you could uh, reward someone for going above and beyond to help you that is beyond the goal kind of uh, incentives and systems that were designed so that you will go outside of your uh, little work bubble and like get exposed to other what other people are working on and you're in, kind of incentivized to collaborate and work together. Um, and there's a lot of uh, highlights and emphasis on doing good for the world. So I think Google is really good at tying in whatever that we do with like the bigger mission, which was uh, for us to help uh, small businesses and startups to reach as many people as possible, grow the economy, and all the money that we made through the ads were utilized for other projects, uh, moonshot projects that could really help the humanity. Um, so definitely how to like dream big and like have um, a, a, a big vision on how what we do here are not only uh, impacting directly what we're doing, but also like a bigger picture uh, how we could yeah. like, help the humanity and the bigger problems in the world. Cool. Let's let's break down a couple of those pieces and let's talk about this a bit more. Um, so one of the things you talked about was incentivizing people to uh, help out beyond the scope of their normal duties. What did that incentive structure look like for Google? And have you tried to take anything like that and bring it into your own practices? Yeah. So a lot of different things like one that i mentioned we have a peer bonus system uh so i think each quarter we're given like a two or three peer bonus slots where it's a proper cash a uh, pretty decent cash incentive like a 200 dollars or something uh that we could uh gift to a colleague who has uh, done a significant uh, contribution uh, to help us, uh, or there's a way there's a culture that is um, uh, kind of involved implicitly about how we should always recognize the contribution and help of others. So we'll always make sure that their name was mentioned in a presentation or on our internal newsletter and all of that. Um, and there's a lot of like 
ways uh, that are not so direct, but like allow for people from different departments to meet each other and like have fun and bond uh, outside of work. And I learned that uh, that's, that's what kind of also inspired a little bit of what I do is like human connections is uh, critical. And it's something that not many people often think about directly when they think about boosting productivity and innovation. They always think about how can we structure a very formal way for uh, different teams to work together. But I, I feel it always starts from the place of trust, the place of uh, safety, uh, psychological safety was actually what Google research should be the number one factor that boosts team effectiveness. So, so from all the software things like doing team bonding activities, uh, at Google, we have like different little clubs as well, like a comedy club, like a salsa club. And this is where you get to meet people outside of your departments. And how I kind of applied this in my current team that I'm building at Warren Space. Well, we, we, we don't have like a large uh, team like Google, but uh, what I make sure is uh, to, to allow everyone to feel like their work is recognized. Um, we have a specific channel on Slack uh, called appreciation where we call out all the amazing things that people do. Um, and because our business is all about human connection, we also kind of practice what we preach. And like every, every bi-weekly we have what we call the team uh, circle where we uh, share more about our feelings and where we stand in where the company is. And if, if there's any kind of difficulties or struggle that we're dealing with, we're, we create a safe space for everyone to surface this uh, emotions um, in a compassionate and loving way. That's awesome. So, okay. So a couple of things, you're talking about psychological safety, right? And so that's really the feeling like that they're in a place where they can communicate how they feel without any types of negative repercussions or other types of shaming or blaming or any of those things that come along. So um, you're talking about these, these rituals, right? A ritual of a team circle. So it's that team circle once a week. Is that daily? What does that, what does that look like? I said it as bi-weekly in our team. Bi-weekly. And then in terms yeah. of that, like, is that ever a situation where, because here's, here's the thing. It's, it's one thing to say, I'm frustrated with this application because it's not doing X, Y, and Z. It's another thing to say that I'm, I'm pissed at Johnny because Johnny isn't doing the work he needs to get done. How do you handle the, compl- the conflicts when people aren't happy with other people for whatever reason? What does that look like? Mm, yeah, that's very tricky. It's something I'm, I'm still kind of trying to figure out whether it makes sense to air that out in a group situation or whether it makes more sense to do it in a one-on-one setting. Uh, mm. I, do, I do feel for something like that, one-on-one could uh, be more appropriate because especially when you want to name someone for a for bad behavior that he has uh, has shown, like that wouldn't be, it won't create psychological safety because you're exposing this, uh, yeah. his, his bad behavior to like a group. So I'm still trying to figure out how to uh, facilitate that um, because I, I cannot be there when someone is uh, having a conflict with another person. And so mm. it's, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm still trying to uh, navigate. It's a challenge, man. And, and again, this is, yeah. and that's out of my own curiosity too, because it's, it's one thing to say everyone's great because it's, it's super easy yeah. to do that. It's really hard to say you're not doing what you need to do. And I'm offended by what you did in some way, shape or form. And that right there is uh, it's because there, there's a balance between like having people feel good and being authentic because you can be authentically yeah. unhappy with the person 
And psychological, yeah. it's not the same. It's not the same thing. So I, I was curious, how do you create authenticity in a situation mm. where it's not all positive? Mm. Yeah, that's that's a, um, that's a hard question. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found I found the circle has been very yeah. useful for yeah. that when that negativity wasn't directed particularly towards somebody. It could just be mm. like an anxiety that I'm feeling, you know, that, you know, uh, I'm not confident enough that what the project I'm, I'm working on is going to take off. So that mm. is something that they can, they feel safe to share with the group and can easily get support. But the challenge is what you say when it has something to do with the other person. Mm. Um, I think that's when maybe it, it does need to have a, a third person to uh, be in the intermediary. That's why I think having a manager in the big companies could help to facilitate such a conflict in the team. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tricky one, and that I, I was curious about like lessons learned from Google, um, like like where you can take from that and and cross it over because there's that um, in team dynamics you you have there's the it's much like a relationship you you go through the levels of you know, first it's resistance and then resentment, right? And then all of a sudden you have this detachment where you ultimately don't, you completely disengage because you feel powerless to engage, right? And so yeah. I, I was like, how do you nip that in the butt before that becomes an issue when someone mm. you know, first is resistant and then resentful and then ultimately just shuts down? Like, what do you, how do you combat that type of situation? And um, and I'm just, yeah. I'm, I'm just curious about that kind of stuff. And did, what, did, what, how did Google handle that? Did they have managers or... What was that? Yeah, they have managers. So we have, uh, I think each team, each manager does it differently. But for me, I had like a one-on-one every week. Mm -hmm. um, and I we got to set our own agenda, what we want to talk about. But I don't know, I, I was working in a, in a team that was pretty uh, harmonious and everyone was kind of uh, nice to each other. So there was very little kind of conflict that uh, I had within the team. But uh, I can imagine a lot of people will use this opportunity uh, and there's a lot of uh, opportunities like this where they could surface issues because it happens every week. We also yeah. have uh, kind of a was it quarterly or like, uh, biannually uh, uh, performance review and peer review as well, so where people get to submit unsolicited feedback about me and you also get to request feedback from your peers um mm -hmm. so you get to yeah get feedback from people outside of your team or people you have worked with on like what's their view on like how you related how you were relating and working collaborating with them that's awesome man what about looking at um you talked that one of the things that google did a really good job at is facilitating um what i would call random social interactions and yeah. by that is you have a whole, you have a cross zone, right? You have some sort of watering hole where people naturally come across and it, and it makes for these spontaneous social dynamic interactions that are unpredicted, which creates, which is a natural genesis for innovation. How yeah. do you, is there any things that you take from that while being a completely like remote company? Is there any ways that you foster random social interactions or things like that to try to create that same google-esque vibe uh, i'm always curious because there, there's pros and cons for being remote versus local i was local totally, then i yeah. did remote and i and, and there's benefits and I, is there anything that you any lessons learned from that that you you currently take over and use yeah it, it's actually something that um that we think will be a part of our 
product uh, value prop as well, which was to create these spontaneous uh, moments of connections. Um, back at Google, there's this thing called the Ninja Lunch, where you get to sign up uh, to be matched with someone completely random within uh, the local company for a lunch. And you can get to set the frequency weekly, biweekly, monthly. Uh, and then you get a little preference like, oh, you want to match with someone who has similar interests in this area. So you want to make sure that you don't get matched with someone from this department. Um, and what we think we could offer at Warm Space is uh, we could offer this like connection time uh, like slots where people get to sign up and then they get to randomly paired with someone from their company. And because what we do at Warm Space is facilitate meaningful conversations. So uh, I feel we could also address some of the challenges that I saw with Ninja Lunch because um, sometimes I believe, I really believe that everyone has a story and everyone is interesting, but they just didn't know how to communicate and express that part of themselves. Mm -hmm. And what we do at Warm Space is because they facilitate it with all the right prompts and guidance, we could bring out this um, interesting pieces and stories from the other person to make sure that that one-on-one -on -one time that it's like very rarely by chance, we, we could maximize that opportunity for the people to connect deeply with one another and build that trust within an hour. Oh, that's awesome. So so then, yeah, let's, let's hop through it. Can you, can you talk to me a little bit about the genesis of Warm Spaces? Like how do you kick that off and then you know the the mission behind it and then we can dive into like use cases and and, and all that stuff so like what what caused you to to want to wanna create warm spaces and what's the mission yeah so um it's quite personal because i uh i think i saw your photo at burning man and actually i, I would say that uh my the, the the genesis and the story behind Warm Space started at Burning Man in 2019. That was my first oh, cool. burn. Nice. And yeah, up until that point, I never really knew how to open up to others and be vulnerable. And now that I look back, I realize how lonely I was uh, before then. Mm -hmm. And I always craved for like deep intimacy and a sense of belonging. Uh, and I never felt like I really belong anywhere. And I learned the, the reason was not because I didn't find the right people or um, I wasn't attracted. Maybe I wasn't attracting the right people as well, but I think partly was because I was closing up. I wasn't opening my, my, my heart to, the, to other people for them to see me for who I was. And I realized like vulnerability is something that people are really afraid of, but like, and, and connection is what people desire, but they're both like so connected to each other. You can't have deep connection without being vulnerable and without letting other people really truly see you for who you really are, including all the weakness and the shame and the shadows. So yeah. at Burning Man, I, I learned how good it felt because, you know, being, being in, in the desert, there's no way where you didn't have the moments of like vulnerability where you're just, in, there'll be moments where I was really in need of help and I really gained support from people from my camp and we just have beautiful connection. And I, I truly felt like I was loved unconditionally because up to that mm -hmm. point, I felt um, I always have to prove myself in order to receive love and attention. And mm -hmm. at Burning Man, I felt like none of that really mattered. Like nobody cared mm -hmm. like what I did, what my career was. What, what camp were you part of? I was part of a really small intimate camp called Watt Camp, uh, 17 people. Uh, but it was just really beautiful. Like everybody felt like a family. Um, and... Yeah, we. I, I felt I felt a deep connection with them, and I felt um, awesome. at Burning 
and how it, how good it felt to be, this, be who you are without having to pretend to be anyone else. So I carried this feeling with me back to uh, my default life in Singapore. And I tried to intentionally foster more of these authentic connections in my life. Um, I, and at that point I had, I had a toxic belief of like, um, what masculinity should be like, like a tox the standard of like what men should show up as like to be strong, to like be, to not show feelings. And especially with like a relationship with other guy friends and, and mm -hmm. a man learned like, oh, actually it is possible to, to be intimate, to like share feelings with fellow guys. Uh, so what I did was I, I tried to, uh, so I, I, I went back to Singapore, I tried to organize a dinner, I invited a few of my male colleagues from Google and uh, cooked dinner for them. And then uh, I brought this like conversation games uh, to, to kind of facilitate a deeper conversation with them. And, and I was surprised by how like a simple kind of tool, like having this cards that got them to share something more, uh, something deeper and more meaningful in their lives allowed us to connect in a way that wasn't before possible. And, and their and what I got from their feedback was like, they've never really done this with their other guy friends where they just really pour out their heart, pour their heart out and share <laughs> what's going on with their lives, with their of lives, what, what they're scared about. So we guys are not wired to talk about these things. We talk about sports and like girls and, and it was just really beautiful. And I realized everybody craves for this, but they don't know how to access this part of their lives and this part of uh, the depth of the connection that we all crave for. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, one thing led to another. I started exploring more of like different tools and framework to facilitate this type of connections. I became a part of a men's circle where we uh, showed up every Thursday morning and like have this structure where we get to check in and share what's going on in our lives in a very authentic way. Um, and then COVID happened and uh, I was inspired to run some social experiments. If uh, What happens if I facilitate this type of conversation for complete strangers one-on-one. -on -one. So I did like 30 of these conversations um, and the feedback was constantly blowing my mind. Like a lot of people cried in the conversation. People say like they shared about something they've never really talked about with anyone. And then they shared that with a stranger and they felt this instant connection at the end of that one hour. Mm -hmm. So seeing this impact that it has on people's lives and how much people are, are not how much people crave for such connection that they didn't know how to access it or didn't know how to even, that it's even possible to, to go beyond the surface level of day-to-day uh, -day conversation that they have. I decided to scale what I was doing and see how is it possible, how can I make it possible so that I, they can still have me in each conversation without having me to be there uh, specifically. So, um, I tried automating myself in each conversation by recording my voice, creating experiences in such a way that um, it became very interactive and engaging. There's music, there are prompts, um, so that anyone, uh, whenever they want, could access this depth and this level of connection at any time. And that's what uh, gave birth to more space. That's beautiful, that's beautiful. Yeah, actually, um, I was at, I think, 2019 was my third Burning Man attending. Um, and you're right, there's so much 
um, love and acceptance that you get. Mm. And they're kind of, everyone's kind of like their childlike selves. And the, the, the message yeah. the I get the whole time there is like, come play with me. You don't want to play with me? Okay. Yeah. Have a nice day. Want to play with me? Versus yeah. the, you know, the, the sense of feeling rejected or shamed or yeah. guilted for not, or not being enough for, you yes. know, uh, whatever the thing might be, you, you just, you, you get it. You get so much, um, love that, that it's a, it's an amazing gift to, to, to give to other people. What totally, what do you feel is like, let me, what do you think is like, what is like one question that you love to use to get people to open up their heart, you know, especially around men. Like that's a really, it's, it's, it's mm. very hard for men that are not in the Bernie man environment um, to yeah. open up their hearts and get them to share vulnerable things about themselves um, without feeling like you're going to sucker punch them. Um, what would you, do you have a, do you have a question at top of mind that for you is a, is a good go-to opener? Hmm. Yeah, um, it really depends. Uh, if this is a completely new person that I just met for the first time, uh, I really like into their life story and ask, uh, is there like a one moment that the way you looked at life completely? I, I like to see what was probably the awakening moment or matrix moment where something big happened and then shifted their trajectory in life and that really gave me an idea of the struggle and the difficulties that this person has gone through in order to be the person that they are today mm, so uh, um i i think i think i heard most of that you broke up for just a half a beat but if i was to reflect back you basically said what was the one moment in your life that caused a fundamental shift for you to see things differently is that is that the the, the 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 beat yeah. of it yeah yeah that's that's a that's a good one yeah um yes. yeah and it's hard when you don't have context to, to be able to but again if you've if you've automated yourself um that's the the challenge is that you get without yeah. the, the humans are very nuanced right i can see the way you respond i can see the way you move i can we're, we're having a thousand different questions in our brains and so in order to navigate this conversation you know i could put it in structured format but it's not going to be the same as like genuine interest mm. in a topic and then and being able to dive in and now facilitating two people connecting is probably a bit different. Um, yeah. Do, yeah. Do you, do you have specific use cases around like how you, like you, you are a third party facilitator for these two people to open up. Is it, is it primarily used in like businessy enterprisey settings? Is it for personal use cases? Like where where do you where do you see the the biggest um, the biggest impact for your your warm space system? Yeah, I think the biggest impact and our the core of our mission is to make this available. So mo mostly, so in the business term, it'll be like a B two C case. So mm -hmm. it's quite a uh, weird concept to grasp. Like, I guess I got I got thrown these questions a lot. Like. Oh, who is your target audience? So, what well, well, what's the purpose of uh, doing this uh, warm space connection? Well, the, the the objective is simply to connect. It's a and it, it, to connect in a very genuine, authentic way. It sounds it sounds very simple and duh, but it's not something that we do often in a very intentional way. Um, yeah. 
sure we we connect with our friends we have like a very simple we have day-to-day conversations but it's not in a way that allows us to be uh completely ourselves and allow us to access a part of us that uh, we don't normally do in a way that we learn about ourselves we are able to relate to the other person from a, from this depth that allows us to feel our term our, our slogan is actually to feel human again because it's only through mm-hmm. uh leaving all the noises behind uh, the, all the distraction really diving into the core of what makes us human and being able to speak from that level and relate from that level that we are we feel connected again to our humanity um so that I, so that is our main use case so a lot of people to feel human again and to feel like we're all in this together in this planet what we're going through we're not alone and it's, we share very human experiences um no matter where you are so one, I love it. I mean, I, I, I love deep human connections. I mean, the one thing, the one reason why I run this podcast is it allows me to have one-on-one time and have a deep conversation with one person versus trying to figure out what my next Facebook post is going to be, right? Yeah. Like this is, it feels much more organic, like in terms of like, this is a much more natural one human to another yeah. going back and forth, talking, trying to understand each other and like, and like have like a conversation that's, that's beyond like, you know, how's the weather and all that stuff so um i think it's super critical yeah yeah go for it and i think it's a it's a, hmm, it's a primal or very fundamental human need because i i want to kind of comment on what he said about yeah um being at burning man how it kind of brings out the our inner child again and i feel yeah. uh, i feel this inner child will always be with us no matter how old we grow to. It's just this expectations that the society has on, on all of us, the adult, like as we become an adult, we, we, we need to stop, we need to stop uh, feeling that we want a connection. We need to stop uh, playing. So, but it's all just, it's all, it, this this element will never go away. It's very fundamental part of our human experience, and we have we were taught and made to believe to suppress all of this needs to play, to connect, to feel like we belong. And at, and that's the beauty of Burning Man that allows us to leave all these toxic adult expectations behind, and and truly give attention uh, to the inner child that we deserve to fully explore and like connect and like play again and um and and as as part of the inner child is that our need to to feel loved and our need to to connect if you look at all the kids um there's very um little inhibition that they have in terms of approaching another kid and 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 just saying what they really feel and uh and connecting in a way that feels very playful and authentic and we don't see as much of this anymore as adults um, because all the expectations that were put on us in terms of how we should behave or, or, or uh, impress others. Um, and and more space one wants people to be able to connect from this place of uh, playfulness and, and childlike uh, mentality again. It's, and that's the thing. It's a challenge because we're both things like I I've, um, 
one of my like truths that I believe is that it's it the 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 truest truths are usually the exact opposite being held at the same time. So we are mm. at both at we're both an individual self and we are connected to the collective whole, right? We want mm. absolute independence and freedom to speak mm. our mind, and we greatly yeah. care what other people think about us. And yeah. so it's both those things at the same time. And that's the, the challenge with that is that is that you the, the when we're when we become older, we're trying to conform to social standards that have been imprinted on us going through social norms. Mm. When you're younger, you've got no social norms, which means you're not yeah. you don't have the weight of the social pressure pushing you down. Now, Burning Man's social pressure is be completely free. Everything is accepted. Be in completely independent and completely accepting. Yes. Right. And so that that's, that allows that space for that inner child to flourish. Um, the hard thing is like when you're anywhere else you have all of the social pressures i'm sure there's social norms in in bali and things that you're supposed to do and not do and you know i'm, I'm and so how do you let me ask you in a social environment how do you how do you create that childlike self how do you create the freedom and the and the 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 space for people to be authentic um with that mm. social pressure being around them yeah it's um it's a challenge, right? Because I feel the environment that we're in has a lot of influence in our behavior as much as we like, we like to think that we're a sovereign uh, individual who has full agency of how we want to act and behave. Like you hear the thing of like, we're the average of the people that we surround ourselves with. Like we can't, we're social creatures. So we can't help to mimic the behaviors of others. So I think there are two ways you can go about it. Like one, uh, you could completely shape your environment and design it so that it supports yourself to support your authentic expression of yourself and that supports you to be the person that you want to become. So an example is like moving to Bali where like everyone, I would say about 60, 70% of the people in my circle here in Bali are like burners. <laughs> so <laughs> these are the type of people that, that makes really sense. Accept yeah and, you know like uh supports playfulness like spirituality and all of that like you can be completely weird and you could be doing like a uh, Wim Hof breath work in the middle of the cafe and like nobody gives a damn and it, it, it feels it just looks like a normal scene in Bali another day in Bali where people like uh cuddling in the couch and like being physically very intimate with each other so I think shaping the environment uh moving to an environment that supports uh the character and the person uh the person they want to become um That's even awesome. if you people are not able to move to a, a new country like looking for like clubs or uh circles or gatherings of uh, like-minded people so i think i think that'll be a big one um the second is i think what uh i aim toward is um which is more difficult but i feel if we could all get to this place of uh wholeness and acceptance uh, that no matter what you do or what, what you express, um, it is independent of like what the type of reaction that you want to receive and see from others. And in that way, you're completely detached from uh, the expectation of others um, that could allow us to be unfuckwithable. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I got a little bit of that energy from after yeah. coming back from Burning Man, being in Singapore, 
coming back to Singapore, being in the same kind of environment, I could see how I gave less uh, fuck about what people think about me. And I could see how my act of not giving a fuck of, uh, influences others to also behave the same way where I, I went to the office once with my Burning Man onesie <laughs> and uh, you were like, oh, that's so cool and all that. And like how uh, on a random day, I went to my colleague next to me and say, hey, what's the one thing that you like and you don't really like about me? Like, it's completely random. This is like having this like authentic conversation. And then suddenly like he got really hooked into it. And then another colleague saw that we're really in this deep conversation, join our uh, conversation. And we ended up in a group of four, just really authentically sharing like, what we like about each other and what we appreciate about one another like completely randomly and that came from the place of like i don't care whether this sounds awkward or not i just wanted to authentically express this and that creates this ripple effect that allows others to also be authentic themselves around this yeah then I, that, that makes a lot of sense you're, i mean you're you're letting your own light shine you're letting your own freak flag fly yeah. and so that gives people other it would, now when you said you came in a onesie was that at google is that like the was, yeah or is that <laughs> That Got was like Google. Okay. Okay. There's context. I was trying to understand the environment that you that you yeah. you came in on a onesie on, which is it it is absolutely Burning Man behavior, but that's a beautiful thing to let to to encourage people to speak their own truth. And that's why it's interesting when you said when you said like and don't like. And then I noticed like I noticed that the group conversation shifted to only liking, not the don't liking part. I don't know if that if that was an intentional piece. Um <laughs> But that's oh, no, uh, we actually got we got to the don't like part as well. Uh, we, okay, so we cool. kind of yeah, we frame it like what do you think I can improve or you know, yeah. package in a more it's a po more positive scheme. It, it, it you know, it's it's the thing is like everyone goes, okay, what is is the intention of this comment to try to hurt me or put me down, or is the intention of this comment because they want to give mm. me a, they want to give me a gift of something that I can't see. And it and and, yeah. and, and and it's hard, you know, and especially, but if you, especially if you ask for it though, like what is one thing you don't mm. like, you're asking for it. You're literally saying, give me the gift of tell me, <laughs> tell me my blind spot, yeah. which is, which is, it's very empowering. It's another thing if someone just shows them and goes, I don't like you. And here's why. Then you kind of have yeah. to like swallow your ego. And then it's a little painful, yeah. a bit painful process. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so, yeah. it's very different when you're inviting the other person to, yeah. to share this gift with you. So speaking of that on this on this note, I have a I have a a, a thing I'm trying to rectify in my head um, is you are you were the um, the Singapore chapter lead for consciousness hacking. And if, as I, as I understand it. Because uh, my brother, um, uh, he married a Singaporean girl. He spent several years in Singapore. Um, wow. And so I have a Singaporean niece and nephew. Um, um, yeah, it's it's super awesome. Uh, Architecture is incredible, um, all that. But they're pretty rough when it comes to uh, uh, drugs and chewing gum and other things. <laughs> so how how yeah. how... Can you talk to me about your experience being the consciousness hacking and what that really entailed? Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We gotta be really um, smart. Of the promotion and the the marketing of yeah. our event. Uh, so we we didn't we didn't touch on the topics of psychedelics as much as um, as 
as consciousness hacking does in uh, other parts of the world. Mm-hmm. So we um, focus more on the area of spirituality and altered states using um, a more legal and uh, kind of technical mediums. Um, so we looked into the science of consciousness. We looked into um, like di- alternative uh, meditation uh, apps and and tools. So yeah, we gotta we gotta be quite smart around the topics that we talked about in, in the country. I would I would imagine. I would imagine because I'm like I'm thinking of conscious hacking and Singapore. I'm like those those two do not go together. Those are not. <laughs> that is not a. a you want to talk about? You want to create a safe place for people to be authentic? That seems like the exact like it's like saying, I'm I, I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be an atheist and I'm gonna start at side in in the middle of like the the Vatican and that's where I'm gonna go do yeah. and be an atheist. I'm like wow, how did that go? Like yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, so, yeah, but I, I got to say because um, the the hmm, the mission or the value of uh, consciousness hacking is also to think about ways beyond traditional m- measures or means to access altered states uh, mm-hmm. that elevates human consciousness. So actually, it's kind of perfect that it comes to Singapore because we're looking into like solutions and alternatives that. Uh, that transcend, that go beyond, uh, like the is uh, the ancients uh, or the traditional ways of uh, accessing the state. So that's why we looked into like the technology, the science, and all of that, and to make this type of um, states of consciousness more accessible to to the mass. Um, I, I, th- I think that's looking- absolutely. I think it's absolutely noble. Um, but here's my question for you is what what did you find that is comparable to any type of psychedelic or plant medicine that is that is that is technology based what is what is what is something that is that is what is the most powerful thing that you saw that is completely legal that doesn't involve mm-hmm. ancient practices of of meditation breath work and psychedelics yeah um i've come across this um software i I forgot what it's called but essentially it's using your voice and Mm -hmm. turn it into some sort of a loop uh and chant uh with uh really trippy visuals and and by making you hum and turning into like a chant and with a whole visuals you get into this really uh, trans, trans-like meditate, deep meditative state. Uh, cool. At the at the end of that fifteen minutes, I I just I I became completely present. I became so sensitive and aware of my external environment, and yeah, it's it's definitely one of the a very kind of psychedelic state that I got to access without the help of psychedelics yeah and that's why you you know when we talk about consciousness hacking the whole thing is conscious hacking changing your states and there's there is tried and true like if i gave you a large bowl of ayahuasca whether you like it or not your consciousness is just about to be hacked 
you know, like there is, there is, yeah. it is a guaranteed you're going on the, you're, you're, you're off to the races and I can, I can, I can check off the, the psilocybin and all those other ones. You can, those are all guaranteed consciousness hacking. And the one thing I haven't really seen is I, I see technology struggle to try to mm. replicate that. Um, and, and I'm super interested in that type of, in that type of stuff. Um, and that's one of the things I'm like, I, I find absolutely fascinating. And that's why I, I can't, I could, I could see something that could take your voice because that, that rhythmic hypnotic chanting, mm. it's a mantra and mantras yeah. is a way to consciousness hack your brain. You're literally feeding yeah. yourself a story to, in, a, in a hypnotic pattern that then basically it rewrites new n- new neural pathways so i can absolutely yeah. see that that's that sounds super fascinating um i wish i wish i knew yeah. the name of it I'd, I'd check it out a bit more um yeah i find I've, i find i i go look for the name I'll, after this and i'll send it I'll to you. follow up we'll put it in the show notes and then people yeah. can see in the show notes when it goes out and we, we, we do all that fun stuff i'm just super curious on that one i just i it's always so hard when people when people talk to me they're like they're like oh i've I pray and I've talked to God and I go things. I go, well, I've done large amounts of ayahuasca and I felt like I've met God. So yeah. like, I, I think that like, there's not, the, it's not to take away from that, but it's like, I think any and all things that can help you dive deeper into yourself is, is should be explored mm. at least my own personal philosophy. Um, but it, it, but it's, it's just not, things aren't globally accessible because of yeah laws and regulations and all that things. But I mean, I do think that the, what you're talking about is a deep connection with yourself and then deep connection with others. And those things are, are absolutely missing from, from this, from this day and age. And so I'm, yeah. I'm super interested because I'm, I'm looking at this. Can I ask you a question? Let's just say not in Singapore. Let's say that you were in um, um, Oakland recently. Have you done yeah. psychedelics or anything else in terms of conscience hacking in the Oakland area? Or, or another area that is similar to Oakland that you can speak to? Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. How, have you, um, have, can you can you talk to me a little bit about that experience? I, I've had a lot of people on this on this podcast talking about this and aliens and lots of other things. And so. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, so yeah. Uh, anything yeah. that you feel comfortable to share, please. I'd be curious. Totally. Totally. I, I, um, I would say I, I'm, I'm pretty agnostic person but when i'm on this uh trip scene and like when i access these different dimensions with the help of psychedelics i i will really start questioning like what's what's up there that i am not aware of that is limited by the ceiling that was placed in this current reality um Mm -hmm. and you know like that i think was a big part of my experience at burning man that made it as transformational as it did was think something about psychedelics it helps you to it helped me to go beyond this mind that is constantly focusing on the self mm-hmm. uh this world is so interwoven and interconnected and that we're all one and this uh community belongs to us this planet this whole universe belongs to us and like how a single piece, single action that we do could have such a big, big ripple effect on the on others uh, on the lives of many others. Um, mm. It's just this profound like expansiveness that I, I get to really embody, not only in the mind but like my full body, knowing how I, I'm one with everything else. 
that's that sense of unity, that sense of absolute abundance, that sense of interconnected. There's like there's a weird thing, man. When 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 people do uh, like psychedelics and those types of settings, like you, um, you 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 for some reason I I've just noticed it with myself and everything else. I I I I I remember you know being on uh, psychedelics at Burning Man, and then like looking at all the stars and all the people. And then like stopping and just like looking up and going, wow, like yeah. we're like this, we're like this one connected voice all screaming out into the abyss that we are here. Like, like, let us be known, yes. right. As one collective like thing. And it's just, it's this yeah. weird thing that we, 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 it, like we, whenever we get that all to say, it's, it's not about, oh, it's uh, I do a bunch of psychedelics and I found it's all about me and screw everybody else. Like I've never yeah. heard that pattern of behavior before. <laughs> I've uh, only hear like, we are one, we are connected, but then we, we lose that. We slip back into the self. Um, and so, yeah. you know, there's the, there's like, so there's, those are the consciousness hacking pieces, but then there's the other way to do it. Like what you're doing with warm spaces is, is a uh, warm spaces. It's, it's this, another way to do it is to have these individual connected conversations where you start to deepen and slowly expand yourself from, from one mind to another mind, which I think is beautiful. It's just, you know, it just takes more effort. And as a human, I'm inherently yeah. lazy and I, and I like the fact <laughs> I give me the pill. It's easier. It's just easier. I'm sorry. It's like, yeah. I, yeah. I like it. I respect it. I just, yeah. you know, I just like, you know, I'm, I'm also inherently lazy. I'm going to say it's both. <laughs> yeah. All right. So. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll, yeah. I totally agree. I like the shortcut. I love biohacking. I love this hack business. <laughs> but I, I got to say something that we got to be wary though. Like, uh, and I yeah. think a lot of the, you know, altered states, junkies, the, the yeah. trap that a lot of us fall into is like, we got hooked on this like feeling of being somewhere else and like getting to the state of bliss so quickly. But I think the real work happens once you got back uh, Sorry, you see myself. Oh, my finger. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the real work happens after you uh, come back to the reality and integrate this insights and wisdom that you took away from, from this little journey that you had. And I think all these tools, uh, psychedelics, drugs, um, even technology could help us to get there faster, but it doesn't mean the work uh, that we doesn't mean that we don't have the work to integrate and the lessons and continue yeah. practicing it to to make sure that it, yeah. it is consistent and it's a, it's a shift that we can maintain. Man, I 100% agree with you on that one. It's like uh, you get a peek past the veil, right? It goes, okay, what does it look like if your character all of a sudden becomes yes. level 100 and all of a sudden you're like, boom. Like I am one with everything. I've been meditating for 40 years straight on top of a mountain and I am all that is great. And then you get brought back down to reality and it goes, yeah, you want to get up there? Um, you've got daily work. You've got the, it's like, you got, you got, a, you got the, you got the, you got the hack. You got the, you got to use your friend's world of Warcraft account and see what it's like to be a, a level hundred character. But now you're back at level one again and you got to go climb back up that mountain. So, um, yeah. So, so let me ask you a question. So doing these, these things is, are there, are there elements, are there elements from the, the, these types of states that you're looking to try to bring into warm, uh, warm space? Is there, is there stuff from this that, how do you, how are you taking the lessons from consciousness hacking 
and being a part of the Google and like, what do you, what are you bringing over into warm space? Um, and from Burning Man that, that you feel is um, uh, something that's missing from humanity. Yeah. I, I really, that, that's our mission really is to create this sense of deep connectedness. Uh, the, what we talked about that to allow people to expand beyond mm. the me, me, me mentality to like, yeah. there's more than this me in this world, like where I'm connected to you, I'm connected to everyone else, I'm connected to the planet. And I think yeah. what we're doing through warm space is getting themselves out of their mind and that focus on me to like, we're actually not in the, the number one of uh, feedback that we always get that was so beautiful. It's like realizing we're not alone. Like what I'm going yeah. through is not unique just to myself. You could be from the other side of the world, like, uh, 10 years older than me, completely different culture that we all, and I realized we've all gone through, you know, identity crisis, like insecurity, fear, and shame. Like these are all just fundamental human experiences. That it's just part of our package when we're born to this planet, and we tend to forget about that. We tend to think that the world is like coming against me, and like this problem is going to myself. But like everyone goes through these problems, and I think the challenges with uh, today's in and ages with social media and everything. It's easy to take up information based on what is being shared on the end, use that to uh, make, to, to reduce the, the, what we know of this person to that piece of information. So when we see someone posting about how, how good their life is, then we think, oh, we think this person always has a good life and never goes through any difficulties and problems and I am the only person like going to struggle or like when you see a piece of information in the news and think see how this person doesn't believe in the uh, political and you go like this person is a complete jerk and this person is but that but we, we start to kind of go deeper and see this the, the deeper human part of each of this person that shares this information that there's more to what we can share and there, there's more to what we can all share uh, in common as fellow humans. So that's mm-hmm. the, the feeling of oneness, the feeling of uh, being connected to more than self and to everybody else and to the universe. It's that, uh, the feeling that I get across and spread through more space. Love it. What? Um, so it, it's giving people the gift of of the oneness accepting people both their light and the dark and to let them know that their struggles aren't just their own and that everyone has the has the shadow side and most people aren't willing to share it because they you know they don't they don't have the strength to be able to communicate it in the in the belief that they'll be accepted do you have like so i know this is your mission but like is there a certain number of people like how do you know that you've achieved your holy grail goal what indicators let you know that you've you've done it mm. well we definitely want to reach as many people as possible like millions of people and we measure the number of uh, completed warm spaces and we look at uh we also don't want to 
get lost in the vanity metrics. Uh, we want to be very careful with uh, how we grow. And so we also want to measure the quality of the connections uh, and the state of uh, the person at the end of the session. So we measure before you start the warm space, we, we ask like, how are you feeling right now? And then the, at the end, we ask how, how they're feeling now. And we often see 30 to 50% uplift in uh, positive emotion. Mm -hmm. And we also looked at how connected this had a warm space with. Um, so we want to balance like rich and growth as well as the quality and depth of the connection and the well-being of the person. That's beautiful. Okay. So yeah, so not only are you looking at, cause I mean, sometimes it's, it's, it's just, there's, there's two types of versions, right? There's, I'm going to climb a mountain and at the top I plant a flag. And then there's other ones that it's like a swim across the ocean. You just, you just keep on the grind and there's no real end in sight. You don't like, there's no peak. There's just a, a horizon that you're aiming towards. So um, it sounds like you're trying not to make it into the mountain. You're trying to make it more into the swim of just kind of as many people as possible. Yeah. What with that being, with that being said, what is the dragon that you face to be able to make this holy grail possible? Like, what is the thing that you don't know if you're going to be able to beat this thing and you're afraid you might die um, uh, to try to achieve this goal? What What is the dragon that you face to make this holy grail come true? Mm. Um. The holy, yeah, the, the dragon is uh, this idea that people still have uh, vulnerability and opening up to others because it's not something that people get immediately. It's something that they really need. Like like I mentioned, like deep connection, the people crave, but also fear off the most <laughs> when they, they're afraid of exposing themselves. But also to be seen. So, so I think they need to be more education uh, that we foresee in order to reach the mass and have a uh, people need to be we can't people to to do this. It's just not like a casual type of conversation. It's ourselves to deep in. And some people are just not ready for this. Uh, so mm -hmm. we foresee that there needs to be, yeah, some sort of education and some sort of uh, marketing and engagement to do a lot in order to convey to them that this is the salad that you need among all the junk food in terms of the social media and the shallow connections that you have on your day-to-day -day life. That'll be really good in nourishing for your body and your heart. That's awesome. So, if it sounds to me like the what you seek is you want them to open up their hearts and be able to connect deeply and vulnerably with people, but what you face is them not being willing to open up their hearts um, because of fear and fear of judgment and scarcity and all all the, all the stuff that we we have, you know. Um, to, in order to protect ourselves uh, against the, the yeah. woes of it. Let me ask you a question for yourself. Can you talk to me about how you 
open up your heart in a situation where you don't feel comfortable, like you, you have to have that bravery to be able to expand your heart. Do you have a situation that comes to mind or a methodology that you use to be vulnerable and brave when you don't feel like you can be? Yeah. I don't think it's a, it's a framework as I think the more that I train myself outside of that topic. so every time I feel this like in my body every time I feel uh, this tightness in my my heart area when I want to get something out of my uh, spite of the fear the more, the more I send that signal into my body hey, it's safe like it's not the end of the uh, I could express authentic to me and and not die because of the signal that I've been giving to my that I've been sending to my body that like it's it's okay to do that way and the reward that comes out of that uh, situation and fear always trumps that anxiety that that I have um, and I think the method that I really like um, was the Mel Robbins five second uh, method where you just count down from like five, four, three, two, one, and just do or say whatever that you feel is really alive within you, and just and just do it. <laughs> just 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 shut off all the noises in your head and just do it despite how the fear. Uh, I've, I think I've done it many times. You know, when I came out bisexual to my parents, or like when I wanted to express feelings to the girl that I like. When I uh, when I had to tell my friend that I didn't actually end up wanting to go to your birthday party, you know, all these little things and difficult conversations. That uh, so I think really just tuning into myself and be really honest uh, instead of ignoring all the noises and the emotions that come up. I think that was the first step because uh, mm. a lot of people tend to suppress that. So. Uh, let alone expressing it, even acknowledging uh, what is causing this tightness in your body is, is, will be like a big head start. And then realizing yeah. that you have the agency and owner, you can take that ownership to release it out of your body uh, and train yourself to constantly do it so you get better at it. I think that, that has, that's what has helped to, uh, me to be more authentic and be vulnerable. That's great. No, it's actually, I mean, it's, it's, it's a powerful thing if, if, if you're training your body to say, okay, feel the fear, do it anyways, and also do it in five seconds. And that's a powerful framework to be able to use um, for anybody. And the more you do that, the more you gain belief in your abilities, the more you believe that you're not going to die, right? Which That's what the fear. Yeah. yeah everyone's going to reject me. I'm going to be alone by myself. Yeah. I'm going to have to wander into the forest by myself, and then I'll die, right? And that's with any, yeah. any, anything that you just said. You could, you could, you could, it, it's, it's not rational, but it's what allowed us to survive. Yeah. Uh, this whole time and Absolutely. so uh, it's, an, it's a yeah it's a great framework um and, and a framework or yeah muscle muscle memory training armoring up for the day i think it's i think it's beautiful um yeah. is there and i think sorry go ahead. one one more go thing ahead. i think the yeah, misconception people have for people who are uh that look so brave and like so authentic to say whatever they feel uh the the misconception is like they they no, no longer have the fear uh in doing what they're doing and i think that's really like i still 
feel that anxiety and fear every time I have want to have this difficult conversation or do something that I'm afraid of is is training our ourselves to do it and take the action despite the fear. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Like, and, and, and then the more you do it, you slowly earn points to convince you. You're earning social credit for yourself, you know, and you're like, oh, okay. I believe you now. Okay. I got it. You've okay. I've done enough times. It's not as scary. I, you know, I know like, like with doing this podcast at first, I was terrified to do it. And I was like, oh my God, this is so crazy. And I, I did 10 of them and they're all terrible. And like, I don't want to do that. I just burnt, I got rid of all 10 when I first got started. Um, you know, and I still get a little nervous here and there when I got to go live. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go live in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, but then, but then <laughs> and, like over, and over time, like, my body's like, okay, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good thing to what, be what afraid saying? to be nervous. And I think I just say that yeah. it's a beautiful thing to be afraid to be nervous because yeah. that's what makes us feel alive. If I don't think if you, uh, the moment where you feel like, okay, I'll just do the podcast and I'll just hit start and I'm just going to go with the flow. That's one thing when you stop enjoying what you're doing and these, that's what differentiates us and a robot. You know, like a robot doesn't feel any fear or any anxiety and just do what they're doing because they're programmed to do it. But we're human because we feel all these emotions and we learn to navigate how to navigate through these emotions. And, and, and yeah, it's just all the things that, that, that makes us human that is beautiful. A hundred percent, man, that the fear lets you know you're still here, man. You got, you, you're still, yeah. you're still, you know, things to overcome. So, um, so you've, you're starting a podcast, right? Is that correct? Is that? Yeah. yeah. I just, uh, I just launched it last week, actually. Yeah. Do you want to talk to us about Beyond the Matrix? That? Yeah. It's called Beyond the Matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be about people who have, either left or on their journey to leave or escape the matrix in terms of the, the template that the society has prescribed to us in terms of what life should be all about, like uh, what we need to achieve in life and what is the lifestyle that is considered appropriate and all these different things that are considered taboo. And I would like to... And being in Bali, I've been and meeting so many burners who have led such interesting life and leading an interesting lifestyle, building amazing ventures with working on beautiful mission for the humanity. I feel like there's so much more life than majority of the population is. And I would love to expose this to others so that people know that there there's options because often the things we don't know what we don't know and like we we always like I, I i used to be quite jaded in terms of like oh i guess this is life then like uh get get a good job like get married and all that and but now that i learned that there's just so much more to learn of this and i would love to people with this mm-hmm. awareness exposure and options so that people can live uh their lives in full authenticity and sovereignty in their full potential. I love it, man. That's beautiful. So beyond the matrix. So you can go, you can go find that on Apple iTunes. You can find that various places. Um, Where, where are the locations that that people could find beyond the matrix? Oh, I think, popular channels too got it so spotify love it um awesome and 
Is there anything else you'd like to let people know about before you can tell them more about how they get a hold of you and find out more about Warm Space? Hmm. Yeah, I guess the message that I want to leave people is to think about how can be truly compassionate today. And, and I, I really believe all this problems wars, discrimination, inequality, they all, all stem from this feeling of the sense of lack, the sense of not being enough, and the sense of mm. disconnection and separation to themselves. And that's what causes the separation to others. Mm. And if we could all take some time to just be compassionate to ourselves and work on the self-love that we all need, then we can start realizing how much love and abundance there is in life for us to receive. And by acknowledging that, we can then and know and feel we could give back to the world and to others. Create a big change in the world together as a collective. Got it. And I just want to, I want to reflect back a little bit because you clipped out just a little bit there, but I want to make sure I heard you. Is that, is that focus, have people focus on their self-compassion and love and worth not based on what they can do but just for them just being alive and and who they are and and just yes. knowing that having full acceptance of yourself and accepting others we can we can have a big impact in this world by getting everybody to kind of be more authentic and and um kind of like living living their best life is that is that what i heard correctly i just want to make sure i got your message because you it just it just yeah. out a little bit yeah yeah. 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 No, that's a, a good summary. So I think, right. yeah, by accepting ourselves, uh, we then could accept others. Because I think a lot of the hatred that we're seeing in this world comes from the, the, the judgment and the projection of ourselves, things that we don't like about ourselves. And all of that. So I think if we could develop that wholeness and acceptance in ourselves, it's easier for us to see the good and, and, in others and to share love with others. And that's where we create this ripple effect of like goodness and, and the kindness in the world. That's beautiful, brother. Yeah, absolutely. A wonderful message. Um, and so with that being said, um, how do people find you? How do they get a hold of you? How do they stalk you in, in Bali? Like what, what is it? What does that look like? <laughs> yeah. Um, if, People want to experience deep human connection. They can go to mm -hmm. warmspace.io. Mm -hmm. If you want to find me, uh, stalk me, they can do that on Instagram. My handle is Edric Suber. And if they want to hear more about uh, my podcast, they could look for Beyond the Matrix on Spotify currently. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, awesome. Well, Edric, it's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for putting out the good effort and the and and the intentions into the into the cosmos, into the matrix, to affect change. Um, I think it's a wonderful mission. So you know, keep getting on with your bad self, and um, I will see you in another reality, my friend. <laughs> thank you, Dylan. It was uh, such a pleasure. Absolutely, Thanks for having brother. me. Have a beautiful day. I'll talk to you later. Bye now. Bye. 
Thank you for listening to the Heroes of Reality podcast. Check out heroesofreality.com for more episodes. While you're there, you can also take the Heroes Quiz to find out what kind of hero you are. Or, if you have a great story and want to be on the podcast, tell us why your hero's journey will inspire others. Thank you for listening. See you on the other side.